sing, my knapsack on my back. This is Sandy Washington, the Swiss Spinner, the Bob. When I had to go to help Daniel with this, we took him away from his office so he could talk to us for half an hour. And it's awful nice to have you here, Daniel. Thank you. Come on. Uh, my title is Building Ops Director or Plan Ops Director. No idea where you are. So my office is uh, first floor on the north building, uh, kind of right next to the elevator. As you go through the 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 fire door, my office is the first one. Well, now tell me, do the first floor north people pester you more than the <laughs> south, south building people? <laughs> I see them more often. Yeah, <laughs> you're very kind. <laughs> I always like to come down the stairs and see you. <laughs> yeah. Well, how long have you been here in Holly Creek? Um, I've been back since May um, 22, um, but I was here, I believe it was 2018, working under Troy as a maintenance three supervisor. Oh, my goodness. I, d I didn't recognize. You've been with CLC then for a while. I believe it's been about four years total. Weren't you at Claremont? Yeah. Didn't you I say you were at Claremont yep. first? I started at Claremont, and then I uh, eventually transferred over here as a three. Then I left. Then I went back to Claremont, and then I, I, I started doing HVAC after Russ left, after Russell Luke left. And tell us what HVAC is. So basically, um, what, what his job was was to do a kind of preventative maintenance on all the rooftop units, and I went to all three communities, so I went to... Claremont, Simon Glen, and also Holly Creek. And so Russ retired and they needed a replacement. And so uh, since I, I went through and got my certification through the scholarship program here, um, I kind of transitioned into that, that position. Well, there are probably people that don't know much about the scholarship program. Tell me how you got involved or how did you find out and what okay. all was it? So once, well, I don't know how many times a year, but Amy um, with uh, the EPSO office, the corporate office, um, she's they constantly send reminders saying CLC scholarship is open. And and once you click on it, it, it it'll give you a bunch of options like nursing. You can go to school to be an RN, LPN. Um, there's uh, there's like a it's not data entry. It's something more mm -hmm. formal than that. Um, and then there was HVAC. And so I saw that, and there's some criteria that you have to meet. You have to be here for six months. You can't have any, you know, bad marks on your record. And um, basically, you, you have to, your supervisor has to approve it. And so once once you go through all that, there's a interview process. So I actually came to Holly Creek, and there's a committee, a um, financial committee, that you kind of sit in front of for breakfast. And... Um, They'll ask you, you know, what's your goals? Why do you want this scholarship? How do you think it's going to benefit um, CLC? Mm -hmm. And so you basically kind of give your answers and, and, you know, tell everyone why you're interested in that. And from that point, you get approved or denied. But I don't think anyone ever gets denied that and opportunity. This is, this is for the staff? Yeah, it's for everyone. Yeah. 
and I see the the emails all the time. Don't forget your scholarship. You know, enrollment is open now. That's wonderful. That CLC that does uh, that yes. does the scholarships. Yep. That's wonderful. And they they paid the they paid the bill. They submitted the check. All I had to do was show up for class <laughs> and pass yeah. and pass. pass the it, test. And that, was, <laughs> that was important. Yeah. <laughs> and the name the particular class that you had was the. It was the NATE certification, which once once you get NATE certified, you're I, I believe it's you're certified in all fifty states. Um, and then in addition to that, the NATE certification, you have to get EPA certified, which allows you to to use the refrigerants that are in the the heat pumps and also the rooftop units. So without that license, um, potentially if you're caught um, either removing refrigerant or adding refrigerant without the license, I, think, I believe it's a $45,000 fine. Oh my yeah, goodness. Yeah, so you have to have that license oh. to, to do that. Yeah. Well, that's a very important <laughs> part yeah. of your work. It's big, yeah. It, it is. is. Well, tell us about your experience here, how you started. My experience. I know you've had lots of jobs and yeah, yeah. So beautiful things. I, I started, believe it or not, back uh, with, um, before it was um, Claremont Park, it was University Hills. Um, I started off because my brother worked there as a housekeeper. And of course, being a younger sibling, I followed him. So he was hired on as a janitor. I got hired as a housekeeper. And then I kind of saw what he was doing. And I moved into the janitor position. And then I eventually saw maintenance working. And then I started asking questions. I started learning. And then I eventually became a maintenance assistant. And and from there, I went to another community where I became a housekeeping supervisor. And I did that for a few years. And then when the maintenance director left that building, I asked if I could take on both roles. So I became an environmental services director, so I kind of run both departments. And from there, it was, it was basically either I did, I was a housekeeping director, maintenance director, or both. It, well, what's the time frame on this? How long did that take to do all that? Because it seems uh, like you really advanced quickly. Yeah, and I, in, oh, what year was it? I believe it was 2005 when I became a, when I got my first uh, director position. So since 2005, I'm kind of climbing the ladder and learning and just, just trying to improve, you know, any any classes they offered that were free, I took them. I took advantage of it. Um um, as a beginner, um, as a beginning supervisor, there was they don't offer it anymore. But there was a, a training that they would offer. It was kind of virtual, and it's how to be a supervisor, how to be a good assistant, how to manage people, and and anything that came across the desk, I'd go to the executive director and I'd say, hey, can I take this class? You know, and they they pay for it, and so. Every opportunity I got to learn more and, and get better, I, you know, I jumped on it. Well, you always had great perseverance Yeah. Well, every step of the way. Yeah. Could you say you are an inquisitive person? I'm very inquisitive, <laughs> yeah. Very I was, curious. Yeah, I, I like to learn. I like to, I like to do a good job. I don't like, I, one of the things that frustrates me is not knowing. Mm. So, and, and that's actually one of the reasons why I took the, the HVAC, um, uh -huh course um at another community i'd have people i'd have um 
vendors come in and tell me, oh, this unit's broken. You're going to have to replace it, and it's $10,000. And I'm thinking, well, I guess I got to take your word for it because I don't know any better. I mean, I'm so it, it kind of made me want to learn more about it so that maybe I could fix it myself. Um, so that was one of the things that motivated me to, you know, try to learn. I, I haven't got, I only got to train with Russ about a month before he left. So I wish I had more time to spend with him because we got to some of the units at, at, uh, at Claremont Park. I looked at some of the units at Summer Glen and very few here. So my, my training was limited, so I didn't get to learn as much as I should have. So I can do something. You but really jump at what's available. I, tr I try to. That's great. I that is as absolutely great. How did how did you get such terrific maintenance men working here? They're all so special. They are, yeah. So when when I was here before working with Troy, um, I actually got to work with both Larrys. So I already knew that they were good guys, you know, before. So so I was happy to see when I came back that they were still here. Great. Um, I was advocated for those guys because they're they're not afraid of anything. They're they're willing to jump in there and try new things and you know where most people are afraid to you know they're not afraid to make a mistake which is a good trait because you, you don't learn unless you make some mistakes you know mm -hmm. and sometimes by messing something up not saying they mess things up but i, I do. well i think we mess them <laughs> up <laughs> yeah i mean that's it's yeah it's the best way to learn is is by making mistakes and then kind of getting corrected along the way and like, oh that's how it goes well it's nice to have a boss that realizes that yeah <laughs> oh yeah because i'm i'm still in that i'm still in there <laughs> they well, all have such a nice personality they and, do and they seem to get along with the elderly population with they all do. of us so well yes i agree i've always felt they're sort of hand-picked to yeah. be here at what do they have to go through to get a job here um well so things have kind of changed mm -hmm. um so we used to it, the process is you, you you find the job online you apply for it and there's actually um a kind of a personality test a kind of a what do you call that competency test so they do ask you a few things like if if you have a 120 volt motor you know and, and then there's some electrical questions a few plumbing questions and there's also like a personality test and so they want to kind of weed out the bad people uh -huh. or the you know the people that are not fit for this this you know environment well are they asked if they can work with um retired elderlies and <laughs> i don't think that's that specifically but uh, this this it, it leads to it you know uh-huh yeah so and and once you get through that process then now we have a recruiter who will screen you and then once she approves you, then she'll sit, she'll set up the interview for me, and then she'll schedule. They'll come in. We'll do a face-to-face -face interview, and from there we go back into the. It's called Smart Recruiters. We go back into Smart Recruiters. We put down notes as far as um, I like this person. This person was late. This person was late to the interview. Um, move this person forward um, in the hiring process and so it, it's it's a long process that you have to go through to get hired here very thorough is this yeah. just at holly creek or also for the other i believe it's everywhere it is yeah that's very good we've got a core of very good people they are good want them to stay yeah that's one of the things that impressed me when i looked at holly creek yeah is i met the staff 
yeah. and some of the residents. Yeah. And that sold me on yeah. uh, that creek. That's why I'm here. Yeah. Same reason. Yeah, yep. Nice people. Yep. So do they have to have worked in a similar... It, it helps. Um, my, my two newer guys, uh, LT and Franklin, they came from um, just an uh, a apartment complex. So they're, they're familiar with the the daily work orders with, uh, you know, no heat, um, garbage disposal, plumbing. They, they were used to that. So they fit what we required. And then as far as, you know, asking them, you know, about our population. And, and I ask them, how do you deal with, you know, tough situations? Have you ever had a difficult client that I you had to... About that. Yeah, you know, um, and ask, what would you do if someone was screaming at you? You know, how would you react to that, you know? And that's important, you know, if they say, oh, I would scream back. So what do you, you do? Know? What do you do? <laughs> what advice do you give them <laughs> if they're screaming uh, back? Well, the answers were good. Uh, so I didn't have to take it much <laughs> further. They, they gave the appropriate answer. Um and I could tell that you know it was genuine mm -hmm. and and I could tell by their personality you can kind of you can tell some most of the time you know if well people not are being everybody genuine. can tell and I think you know, you know the right answers and yeah. what you're looking for you're pretty yes. intuitive I try to wise, be try to be read people well <laughs> and yeah. one of the questions I think you asked or they were asked is what if this was your family yeah I think that's important mm -hmm. because um, that's how you have to look at it because when things get difficult, um, for example, one of the things that I used to use when I was training for um, like fire drills, for example, I tell people, think about it. If your mother, grandmother, father, you know, is sitting there and an alarm goes off, do you want the staff to be irritated because the alarm went off or do you want them to truly be concerned mm -hmm. about your loved one yeah. you know and and that's kind of what i want is i don't want people to be irritated when the alarm goes off and think oh god i gotta stop working i gotta you know go and do this but it's i, I think the response should be you know if that was my loved one i would want someone to respond quickly and, and get them to safety so good way to look at that yeah now you you have seen a video that was impressive the hartford video yes tell uh, us about that so it was um this was an actual um fire and i was told to not share it because i don't think the guy was oh. supposed to have it no it's okay, okay. when he gave it to me i, I think he was told to because it, it came from um a life safety um inspector and he shared the video with someone, and I think it was, it, it, it spread, let's put it like that. A few people got it, and they shared it. So what it was is, um, it's a PowerPoint, and it shows a, a, a actual fire at a nursing home in Hartford, Connecticut, where a resident got hold of a lighter at night. I guess they were a smoker, uh -huh. and they lit their blanket on fire. And and the, the notes are on the slides so it says that the fire department responded in four minutes but nine people died in that in that in fire four minutes and it was um it was due to smoke inhalation um mo mostly and on, on the pictures and, and one day i need to share those um you can see the difference between an open door and a closed door so again when we do our uh fire drills that's why it's important that when, when we set the alarm off, I don't turn it off right away because I actually walk the floor. I I'll do I walk first floor or second floor over in the suites, and I have someone making sure that someone's going and closing all the doors. 
because again an open door can be the difference between life and death um, because not only um, are the fire doors uh, 20 minute doors which means it's going to take a fire 20 minutes to burn through that door to get to the next compartment but there is a smoke seal on each door which will keep the smoke from getting into that room so um, it's well, it's it's literally it was you know, interesting you pointed that out to us I've seen it but I never knew yeah I thought it was to keep this door from banging yeah. or something and, like and that and the magnetic doors mm-hmm. um, on the on the floors those close because um, if you're coming off the elevator where the doors stop on each hallway that's considered a, a smoke compartment so mm-hmm. if the fire was beyond that compartment if people can't get off that floor if they could at least get past those fire doors that buys you know everyone time to help get you evacuated so that's why that's so important that those doors close properly so tell us about the inspections that holly creek needs to face okay, from the so fire. So in, on the independent side, it's a little different from the suites. Um, we have, uh, I don't know if you guys know, but um, nursing homes, I um, hate to say that word, but yeah. um, this uh, long-term care mm-hmm. facilities, I think is the second most regulated industry. Oh. It is. And so we have um, fire inspections that we have to um, maintain, like our sprinkler system has to be inspected once a year. It has to be inspected semi-annually by a, a contractor. And um, fire extinguishers, we just had that inspection yesterday. Um, where we have to make sure, I mean, because what good is running to a fire with the fire extinguisher and it's discharged already or it has no charge to it. So we do have to make sure that, that the fire extinguishers are properly charged. Um, we do have guys going through once a month. There's a little needle on the fire extinguisher that's usually in the green. If it's in the red or the yellow, it's either been discharged or it's overcharged, and we need to swap it out. So we do inspect those um, uh, monthly. Um, in addition to that, our boilers have to be inspected. They check the doors. Um, They go through and actually open and close every door. Um, One of the things that's important about the doors is if we have an elderly population and a a younger man, let's say, has to put a lot of muscle into opening the door, it doesn't pass. Because if someone's stuck in that room, they need to, the door needs to be easy enough to open so that anyone can open it. So they actually, not only do they check how hard it is to open, but they check the gap around the door because if you have a gap that's big enough to let smoke through, that's a deficiency, and we will get written up for that. So we have to check every door. We have to check outlets um, once a year that that are on the generator. So in the in the suites, we have red outlets in every room, and and what that means when you see a red outlet is that it is on the generator. So that if we do have a power outage, they they know where to plug in your oxygen um, or anything, any vital equipment. So we know which ones have power. Um, they check emergency lighting. They check that we run the generator every month. Uh, there's there's a whole list. I, I should have brought that with me. Well, there was a good test of all that when <laughs> we had that blackout. Yeah. I didn't even know about those red outlets. Yeah, I know it. I think all residents should know about those outlets. Yeah. and and on the independent side, they're not. And see, there's that's a big difference that people might not know is on the independent side. There are hardly no regulations at all. Well, they're, they're underneath the, the, you have to crawl under the table. <laughs> by, the f- by the elevator? They're, they're thinking about putting a, an extension on that because I remember I was out there on 
all that yeah to plug in yeah so and, and i believe the only ones in the on the independent side are off the elevator so we're, we're trying to we're looking into having one put into one of the lounges on each floor so that you know more people yeah. would yeah. know about it yeah. and, and then the residents yeah. have to be notified yeah. where they are and so right yeah well yeah. sometimes we wonder about all the alarms that we hear but you have to schedule or oh. keep track so yeah so so once a month we are required to have an actual fire drill which means we either set off one of the smoke detectors or pull one of the pull boxes um to 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 physically see that the doors are closing properly that the strobe lights are working and that the actual um, smoke detectors working properly so we do have to we can't just do the same one every month and um, we do have to kind of jump around and bounce around from first floor to second floor and and just verify that not only that the equipment is working but we also have to document response time so if if um, the alarm goes off for 10 minutes and I still find doors open that's something I need to document on my fire drill and and then there should be a follow-up training to educate, you know, the staff mm -hmm. on, you know, this is what we do for a fire drill. These are the proper procedures. And it's good to educate the residents, too, so yes. we know that this is not somebody's mistake. This is a right. planned, mm -hmm. yeah. important protection. Yes, exactly. Yes, I think it's really important to have the test mm -hmm. total on grand care so we know that it is a test. Yeah. And, and I agree with the independent and... Yeah, we we I would love to have the two sides separated so that it doesn't go off everywhere, and that's something we're going to look into. Um, isn't, but that, isn't that very expensive? It is. It's it's, it's going to be expensive to mm -hmm. to do that. I don't know. I don't remember the exact cost, but um. So one of the questions that um I got in our in the the peak view review was. Uh, or maybe it was a different meeting, but they wanted to know why all the alarms are going off. So the alarms are not intentional, and some of them are not tests. They're actual alarms that have been triggered. So uh, a couple of weekends ago, when the snow started to melt, it came through the ceiling, and it wet not only out here by the bistro, but on third floor, it wet one of the smoke detectors, and it set the whole system off. And so until that, that smoke detector is cleared, it won't reset. So I'm sure that was very irritating to everybody. Um, there are times when people have cooked and the smoke will set the alarm off. So it's not always me testing. Mine is required, but there are actual accidents. So if we are cooking and our smoke alarm goes off, how far reaching is that? I believe it's it's separate for in your unit, but okay. if it reaches the hallway, that's when it'll oh, set the okay. hole. So open yeah. your front, open your door to the patio <laughs> to the yeah, outside and to let it out. Yeah. Okay, that's happened once, once or twice, and I think, oh my goodness, people are gonna yeah not appreciate this. I I've been thinking about a story. It's not quite related to the to the um, s fire situation, but there was a a trick manager once that was trying to find out how well you did your <laughs> job. <A> trickster. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us that story about throwing little bits of paper. Oh, <laughs> that was, okay. <laughs> that was um, one of my managers. Uh, so I, I worked with my brother early on, 
and um, we would compete every day to see who's going to finish their drive faster. So once, you know, if, if I finished or if I thought I finished first, I'd go to him and I'd say, I'm done. You know, and he'd say, no, you're not. Did you do this? Did you sweep behind the fire doors? And I'm like, uh, no, I didn't. So <laughs> I'd run back and try to, you know, correct what I missed. And then we'd both go to our, our supervisor and tell him that we're done for the day. You know, he said, oh, you guys are not done. I'm like, yeah, we're done. So he'd say, all right, let's go take a walk. And so what he would do is he'd take little pieces of the the, the cell phone wrappers from his little hard candies, and he'd throw them in the corner, or he'd take a piece of paper. And he's a, he was an ex-military guy, so he was really <laughs> beat, uh, yeah, and, and he kept us, you know, on the job. So, and then at some instances, he would take a piece of paper and, um, put the date on it and his initials and he'd throw it behind the couch <laughs> or something you know and, and so when we said we were done he'd go pull out the couch and he's like well, what is this then you know <laughs> so you know so what, what that made us do then is i had to beat, beat my brother i had to finish before him then i had to go through and look for traps and make sure <laughs> that the building so anytime i saw a paper clip or a penny i think ah bill, bill did this so i picked it up and you know i put it on the table and make sure i either swept or vacuumed underneath no, you don't do that, do i don't do that i thought about it i did think about it it would be kind of fun but it was a good way to make you really yeah. thorough yeah yep. tell us about some of the other educational classes that you've had as a oh. medical assistant and yeah so computers on. you took some computer I took a computer course yeah so medical um, um i did uh, again following my brother he he took um a class to become a medical assistant so um and basically what that entailed is um doing blood draws learning how to do phlebotomy um ekgs injections um the little what do you call that test when they go underneath your skin? The TB test. I learned oh. how to do that. Um, we did some x-ray. Um, very limited, though. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I took that class, and I finished. And then um, a few years later, a lot of years later, um, I had the opportunity to go back to school again. So I, I took a computer course, and, and I got my associate's degree in, in computer networking. And... And the, the funny part was I, I should have investigated more because when I finished and I started looking for a job, maintenance actually paid more than an entry-level computer job. So oh. being the single dad at the time, I, I had to lean more towards income. So I, I didn't really get a chance to use that degree. Um, but then more recently, I, I took the, the HVAC certification. Did you learn the CPR? I did. I learned CPR. Yeah. And we, um, one of the companies I worked with, everyone had to be certified. So I've been recertified maybe twice, but then it, it's, it has since yeah. expired. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You have a lot to do, a lot on your plate. You had one little break in Hawaii. I did. <laughs> Tell us so, about that. So, um, uh, first marriage, uh, my wife uh, worked for United Airlines, and they need they were they had a shortage, so they were moving families to Hawaii, and so we of course jumped on that opportunity, um, and I went out there. And by that time, I had at least I think 
at least five to six years as a you know housekeeping supervisor mm-hmm. and i thought oh it'll be easy to get a job once i get to hawaii but it was it was difficult i ended oh. up almost begging for a job at kmart pushing buggies you know and so i had to take what i could get because it's expensive in in hawaii so I started off at Kmart, and then um, I ended up, I ran into this random guy, and I said, hey, where do you get a job out here? He said, go to Safeguard Security. They'll hire you on the first day. So I did. I made my way down there. I interviewed, and I got hired the same day. So I did security for a while. For um, I, I worked at a High Rise and also worked at um, Healed College, um, which was right next to a Tower Record. And um, so I ended up learning how to catch shoplifters. So I did that for a couple of years. That was fun, interesting. Um, A little dangerous. A little dangerous, yeah, Mm -hmm. at times. um, After 9-11, when they shut the island down, I couldn't do it. I said, once they open the airport again, I'm going back to Colorado. So I did. I I transferred to um, a tire record here in Cherry Creek. And then I got hired on, I would say, about a year after that at um, uh, Assisted Living Community. And so I stayed there for 10 years. And then kind of I ended up here. And you've had a total of how many years with CLC? Four years with CLC, but total of about almost 30 years experience. Almost 30 years. Yeah. We're awfully well, lucky to have you here. We are Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. We're so glad that Hawaii didn't keep you and that you got back to Colorado. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. Oh, Daniel, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Everybody give him an extra pat on the back because you're doing a fine job. Thank you. Thank you so much. And that's what it is for today. So, so long. That was cool.